It is the 200 level, episode 114, Mike Carpenter from the basement. Sometimes I start these episodes and I don't have a title yet. That is the case today. So I make one up at the end of it. Some of them are clever, some are not. Most are not, probably. It's just to get a title out there. So as we go along, maybe a title will come to me and maybe it'll just be some sort of filler thing just to get it out there to you on this Thursday evening before the weekend. And... You know, it's kind of weird because the way things have been the last few months, a weekend doesn't mean quite as much because a lot of people are working at home. And then when the weekend hits, there's not a lot that you can do anyway. Now, today, or this evening, I should say, would have been amazing if we had a Big Ten season. And I did not realize this until this morning. And actually, um, it was a few tweets. And then later on, Twitter itself had a reminder at the very top, Illinois, Ohio State, apparently kickoff was scheduled for noon. I didn't realize that, but what I would have been doing right now, that's what kills me, is I would have been done with school, probably making the first of a few drinks, let's say, for the evening, settling in to watch it on my porch on what is a beautiful September night, and even if the game would have been a complete disaster, it would have been a game, and it would have been a pseudo tailgate at home and grilling out and and getting ready for football to start again. So I think it's important to kind of start with that on a sports podcast to set the context that I, along with any other sports fan, badly want sports to come back. Badly. We're aching for it. We do have the NBA, which, by the way, the playoffs have been tremendous so far. We have the NBA to tide us over. We have Major League Baseball in this sprint to the playoffs to tide us over, even though the Yankees have kind of sucked. I know, cry me a river. uh, And that's fine. That's fine and good. But we're here because we're Illini fans, and Illini football and basketball are really the things that we probably look forward to more than any. I know everyone has their professional teams, but for someone that was born and raised in Champaign-Urbana, the start of football season, that was always a big deal, even though you knew more than not, more likely than not, your football team wasn't going to be that great. And then you would have basketball lingering there in case the football season went way off base by, what, early October, which it usually does. But as we sit here, there's that uncertainty, not just about football, but potentially about basketball. And that's on the heels of something that came out of Penn State today, which is troubling to say the least about COVID-19 and the impact it has with this myocarditis, which is heart inflammation, which can lead to a lot of issues um, in the short and long term for people who get it. We'll get to that in a bit. And we've seen COVID even come really close to home at the University of Illinois, where just yesterday, Chancellor Jones, a very sternly worded email to all the students, about how undergrads are essentially in lockdown. You can only do essential activities. No going to cams, undergrads. Well, here's the problem. You know, we're trying to police 18 to 22-year-olds. We know how well that often goes. But this university, more than any in the world, had a system in place that would have been able to keep this COVID-19 crap at a manageable level. And even today, we had another 200 cases. I think they're getting close to 1,200 new cases brand new cases. These are not repeats at the U of I since students have moved back. So all this news together, right? What would have been tonight getting ready for a game? I know no tailgating and there would have been what? 12,000 people in the stands, something like that. What would have been, and now here we are in what is reality. And it kind of stinks in a lot of ways, right? And there have been a lot of conversations and this is only natural that when there are not live sports to talk about, the conversations will go elsewhere. We've tried to take part in some of those for sure. And we've been probably more successful in some conversations than others. But uh, it has been a very interesting week from Monday, which feels like two weeks ago. I don't know what it is about this year where every three days feels like two weeks and every week feels like a month. But that's 2020 in a nutshell. And uh, it's 
it's a shame, right? I think there was something just sort of <sighs> when you realize what we would have been watching tonight. And instead, I don't know, I guess I got to find something on Netflix. We've been binging Breaking Bad. So that's good. That's good, right? It's not the same, though. And I know what we live for. We live for live sports. And even though they might have had a pretty tough road of it with this Big Ten only schedule, I, I was looking forward to Illinois football, too. Maybe we get it later. Maybe we don't. Uh, but with the way things are kind of trending, it's hard to hold one's breath and hope for the best case scenario. Now, all that aside, we do have some fun things to talk about today. We do. We try to be as entertaining and as good-natured as we can in what has been really a, a turd Sunday of a year. And it seems like they keep adding cherries on top, these new things to make it even worse than before. But if you think about it, I had one optimistic thought about all of this. I was talking to friends and thinking about how, okay, We've made it this far through the pandemic. We made it this far through all the political unrest or civil unrest and political uh, nonsense going on. And that maybe, just maybe, this is the worst it's ever going to get. Night is always darkest before the dawn. So I'm going to end this opening segment with some positive outlook, thinking, you know what? This is, this is the bottom of the barrel and that it's all up from here. Because maybe it is. Maybe it actually is. Now, before we go further, we got so much to get to today. Got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO. Online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So you can stay at home if you don't feel comfortable going to campus. I get it. They'll bring it to you. You don't need to worry about any of that. And you can order a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites, the Buffer Zone, the Maui Wowie. And you get their signature dipping sauce. It is delicious. One of the best bang-for-your-buck food places in Champaign-Urbana. Online at dpdo.com. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. Trevor's favorite domain name for good reason. It's easy to remember. Brianismyguy.com. And I can tell you from experience that Brian and the staff over there they are local products, so not only are they insurance experts, but as East Central Illinois people, Champaign-Urbana, they have your local interest at heart. People that you can trust, and when it comes to insurance, I know nothing about it, so I need to trust my insurance guy. You can do that with State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. And 4th and Kirby, online at 4th and Kirby.com, we got, let's call it the fall lineup coming. They had a great football t-shirt that came out two, three weeks ago. I know there's not football games, but maybe there will be soon enough. And even if there's not, don't you want to remember the good old days? This t-shirt, I think, came from a 1978, I I think that's the year, football program, retro logo, super vintage, like all their other stuff. And I have a few of their t-shirts. They are super high quality, very comfortable. They look good, and they will help you stay cool as we get into this sort of Indian summer part of the year, right? Summer, uh, September, October, still get the 80 degrees. Fourthandkirby.com, super cool stuff as always at fourthandkirby.com. Gotta thank Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level. If my voice sounds a little bit fatigued today, that's because it's the first full week of teaching, which is going great. Kids are coming to the Zoom sessions and things have been smooth. And it's not easy for families. It's not easy for teachers. There's a lot of transition kind of going on here and kind of making things up as you go and doing the best you can. But overall, really, really impressed with the Champaign School District, how they've handled it. Other districts in the area, Urbana, I know for sure. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think others that want remote only, but it's working okay. Would we rather be in the classroom? Absolutely. I'd rather be in the classroom as much as I enjoy seeing the pup and being at home with the wife. That's all nice, but there is something about interacting with people that's just kind of missing on Zoom. But regardless, that's going well. That's why the voice is how it is today, maybe a little fatigued. I'll try to make it through this without 
stopping for too many drinks of water. A uh, couple things too. Uh, rate and review us. I know on Apple Podcasts, easy way to do that. We have been getting a bunch recently, so I really do appreciate that because that helps us move up the charts. Now, we may be getting that intermittent uh, five-star, then one-star, then five-star, then one-star. Notice, there has not been a single three-star review. So if you want to be the first one to just give us a, yeah, it's fine, three-star review, go for it because you would be the first. Um, but yeah, it tends to run the gamut between five stars amazing to one star. I hate this guy. He needs to get off a soapbox. I've got a few of those too. Understandably, because the nature of the conversations we're having and the fact that this has been uh, for the last few weeks since I've kind of getting back into school mode has turned into more of a monologue than a dialogue with interviews and things like that. I want to get back to that. We will get back to that, but just simply for scheduling purposes and figuring out my own day-to-day routine, teaching online, we're just doing this for now. And really, there's been plenty of fodder to talk about. So doing 45, 50 minutes on what's going on in the world of sports, that's not too difficult because the world of sports keeps on giving. This was an interesting week, though, because we began it uh, on Monday afternoon with the protest on campus. This was a big deal. I think we can all agree just as a news story, it's a big deal because not only was it student athletes walking, but it was also your athletic director, Josh Whitman, the revenue sports coaches, Brad Underwood, Lovey Smith, and a bunch of the assistant coaches taking part in this. There were plenty of other members of the DIA staff that were there as well. And there was a lot of solidarity for the entire athletic department and the student athletes and students in general. So we're talking, I think, estimated over 500 people were at this thing. And it was overall a success, a peaceful protest down First Street to the police station and then back down towards Memorial Stadium. And in this day and age where we continue to see instances of rioting and looting when tensions are at their highest, I think we all agree that peaceful protest is okay. I know there's going to be the occasional commenter on the News Gazette Facebook page or, or a certain Illini message boards maybe that would disagree with that. But for the most part, these have been productive and I think kind of invigorating to see younger people for the most part taking place and oftentimes organizing these things. So for example, the ones that were happening in Champaign back in early June, post-George Floyd, were organized by early high school kids. I think just out of middle school, early high school, which is remarkable to think that people that young can use the platforms of social media for something good. Now, as we all know, though, social media is not always good. Uh, Message boards, things like that, not always good because the discourse can turn pretty ugly pretty quick. And I need to examine myself with this sometimes, too, because I don't want to take place in any sort of, what would we say? What's the term now? Cancel culture, right? I don't want to be someone to carry the pitchfork and, uh, you know, what is that? The the stick with the, <laughs> what is that? Like the towel drenched in kerosene, flames. You know what I'm talking about. Basically, the angry mob. I don't want to lead that. It's not about that. But there was something this week after those protests on Monday, and I was speaking to it a little bit on the podcast Monday as well, predicting what I would not see from one of the local sports media sites. That would be orangeandbluenews.com, which is illinois.rivals.com, run by Doug Bouchon, who is on Twitter at Illinois Rivals, if he hasn't blocked you already. There are many people that, in my mentions over the last few days, have talked about they're blocked from him and they've never interacted with him on Twitter before. That's impressive that someone would actually go that far to block people that they've never even interacted with. I haven't blocked anybody on Twitter. I'm trying to think of the psychology behind that because muting someone, I get. 
You know, you get rid of the clutter. There's someone that maybe continues to send you stuff like a David Thiessen, let's say, the one and only, and you mute them just because you get enough replies that could actually lead to a productive conversation that you don't need to get that fluff that doesn't really add anything. So I get the muting part. But the idea that this person can't even see my tweets and you're running a website where you're trying to get subscribers. I mean, you're shutting out a portion of the population that may in fact subscribe to your website and i just think that's that's peculiar first off you know how why is my stuff so important where i'm going to be the judge jury and executioner as to who gets to read it they're just tweets right or so i would think but i did vocalize on the podcast monday i also took it to twitter and i realized how it can be very dangerous that when you do that it can come off as angry mob ish cancel culture ish that was not at all the intention. But I will tell you that it is coming from a place of genuine frustration. I've harped on this before, and maybe to the point of redundancy, and for the regular listeners, I apologize if that's the case. But thinking about the protest on Monday, seeing the coverage from Gavin Good, who was there for Illini Inquirer, the Daily Illini, the News Gazette, and by extension, IlliniHQ.com, their sports website, and Channel 3, and local news stations, local radio, all that kind of stuff. For the most part, they at least acknowledged it happened, and they at least got some quotes, some footage, etc., from the participants and the organizer, Kendra Green. So they did that. In terms of reporting, that's really all you can ask for. A big thing happened on campus. It's the biggest thing that's happened for Illini Sports this week, or maybe in a month. <laughs> if you think about it, there's no games to cover. Recruiting hasn't been that crazy. The big thing in the last couple weeks at a minimum was this protest organized by a really good Illini football player that got hundreds of student-athletes and students, plus your revenue coaches and athletic director. That is a big deal. So then you see silence from one of the two recruiting guru sites. We got Illini Inquirer for 24-7 Sports. They are doing a far more comprehensive job of covering Illini sports. I'm not just saying that because I know Jeremy. I'm not just saying that because they're partners of the 200 level. I'm saying that because that's the case. That has sort of become the place to go for Illini coverage, and it is worth the subscription because you continue to get stuff um, that is, well, it won't be found anywhere else. They're doing reporting over there that you just don't find many places. Then you have Illinois.Rivals.com, OrangeAndBlueNews.com, which I have not been a subscriber of, and it is sometimes difficult to know exactly what the tenor of conversation is over there or what the priorities are in their message boards or even coming from the mind of their publisher, Doug Bouchon. But I find it morally and ethically reprehensible. And I know that's a big word to say, but <laughs> I do. I find it morally and ethically reprehensible that any site that has made money off of covering young men and women, young student athletes, would simply refuse to acknowledge the protest even took place. It is not about, and I want to make this clear, it is not so much about Doug or anyone else over there, their politics, their social perspective. It's not about that. Because we are in a small to mid-sized market, whatever you want to call it, you only have so many outlets covering Illinois sports. And if they fancy themselves an Illinois sports website, it is kind of their duty in terms of you know reporting to at least have something about what happened. Nothing. Nada. 
I gave him 48 hours. I was like, well, maybe this is going to be a delayed thing because I understand in this climate with COVID-19 and the way the economy is and the way that media companies are, there's just not much of a budget there. So you just kind of have to work on a shoestring staff level and you can't really expand like you used to. So maybe I thought on Tuesday, maybe this is just a case where they don't have the manpower to cover it immediately. There'll be some sort of delayed reaction. But no, there have been a few other stories published since, and none of them have anything to do with the protest. So it is not so much about his personal political beliefs, which, yeah, I don't agree with from what I know. I mean, uh, I can tell you that for sure. I might be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But simply for, for what I do remember from getting my journalism degree at the U of I, and I didn't really put the whole news editorial journalism thing to practice. I just tried to do the radio thing and bypass that, right? Uh, what I do remember is certain things are newsworthy. Certain things are top of people's mind. And for this week, and until some sort of big thing happens for Illini Sports, which who knows when that'll be because there are no games, that was the big story. And nothing. So then the question is, why wasn't it covered? And then I guess this is where we do get into the political social realm. And it's not about Doug or anybody over there saying that they agree with what the protesters did. But you can cover it. As a journalism site, as a sports news site, you can cover it just as a way to let these athletes speak on something that is clearly affecting them, which leads back to my reprehensible comment, morally, ethically reprehensible, that anyone would make even a little bit of money off of covering these young athletes. But the minute that they speak out on things that are actually affecting them as human beings, radio silence. That's a problem. That is why I went to Twitter about it. That is why I wanted to shine a light on it. Not cancel culture where I'm saying you must unsubscribe from Illinois.rivals.com. Let's be honest. Most people that would go to that website are not listening to this podcast. I probably have some Alana Inquirer listeners. I probably don't have many, if any, Illinois.rivals.com listeners. Because I'm guessing if you've been listening the last four or five months... You might not agree with what a lot, of, a lot of things I've had to say, and that's okay. That's okay. But that's not you canceling me. That's not you canceling the 200 level. Just like me saying that I got a problem with the way that they didn't even touch that story, that is not me canceling their website, okay? They, <laughs> Doug's done enough, I think, with his own interactions with other people in sports media and on Twitter to cancel himself in many ways. You know, this is something where a website like that, because it's been around so long, clearly has a following. But in terms of relevance, which was another thing I considered when even thinking about going after something like this, how relevant are they? I, I know that sounds very harsh, but how relevant are they? Is it something even worth touching? But I think it is. Because again, in a market this small, this size, where people from orangeandbluenews.com will be going to the press conferences and covering these things. If I'm an athlete, your ass didn't come to this protest or even show any interest whatsoever listening to what I had to say about the big things going on in the world. Therefore, why should I give you anything at this press conference? Why should I tell you how I felt about this play or how I felt about my performance? No, you weren't there in what was the biggest news thing for Illini Sports in the last couple of weeks and probably will be until games start up again, whatever that may be, and you were nowhere to be found. Am I going to call for a boycott? No. 
what would it do if I did it anyways? People wouldn't do it. Um, am I going to call for people to unsubscribe? No. You do what you want. You listen to what you want to. You read what you want to. People that listen to the 200 level, there might be some that hate listen. Hey, that's your prerogative. But at the same time, this is something that I think just bothered me to my core. And what have we tried to do in this? Have I said some silly things? I'm sure. But I've tried at least to open the conversation, right? I've tried to get into these social and, yeah, political things because they are linked to sports. It would be like the turd in the punch bowl, and we know it's there. This is a George Carlin thing. He said there's a turd in the punch bowl, and everyone knows it's there, but no one says a damn thing about it. Well, it's there. How can I not acknowledge it? What kind of program would I be running if I don't talk about the things that the athletes themselves are talking about? And someone had pointed out on Twitter, you know, I think they said, well, you're virtue signaling. Listen, there was a bingo card you can make up for very conservative people and the way that they will attack certain kinds of conversation. One is cancel culture. So if their opinion is criticized on any public forum, they automatically will, for whatever reason, go to this idea that, oh, well, this is just cancel culture, you know, angry mob, et cetera, which I addressed a little bit earlier, too. Or they'll talk about virtue signaling, which is essentially saying, well, you're just trying to look good for people. You're, you're trying to make yourself look like an ally, but you probably don't even care about it. I do care about it. I do. When you're a middle school teacher in Champaign, a very diverse school district, and then I see everything happen with George Floyd, and that would have been right after the school year ended. So I didn't get an opportunity to talk with my sixth graders about how that experience made them feel. I know how it made me feel. It made me feel sick. And what it made me want to do is try to get a few different ideas and perspectives that maybe I hadn't had before. So therefore, Ryan Baker, Herb Lawrence, Kerry Davis, Antonio Adams, trying to open up the conversation to the blind spots that I clearly had, where even if I was sympathetic to a cause or something, I got a lot to learn and I probably got my own biases and things like that. So why not just examine that? For God's sakes, there's no sports to talk about anyway, if there was an opportunity to do it it would be during this time. And now that I have really reflected on it and thinking about the students that I see every day and the way Champaign is in terms of its demographics, you're looking at a district that's essentially like three thirds, one third white, one third African-American, one third uh, either Hispanic, mixed race, Asian. It is a very diverse school district. I see that in my Zoom sessions. I see it in the classroom. And how could I in good conscience not at least have the conversation and try to learn something about it? Because me, 33-year-old white guy, and there's plenty of white guys listening to this, it's not about apologizing for your race. It's not about feeling threatened that someone's trying to come take your spot. It is trying to get this society to a place where we are pretty much on the level. It's not about moving any one race above the other or anything like that. It's just trying to get people to the same starting line. That is not really a utopian idea. I think that's just fairness, right? So that is where it has informed this whole conversation that we've had. Um, have I probably been on soapboxes or have I probably sounded a little bit sanctimonious sometimes? I'm sure. I'm sure I have. When you come down here and you do two hours of podcasting each week and a lot of it is solo, yeah, you're probably going to say things that even someone who agrees with me on some of these things will be thinking, ah, Carp, ch chill out. Get over yourself. And you know what? They might not be wrong. <laughs> they may not be wrong about that. That's okay. 
Um, but I've just been doing a lot of reflecting on that, and that's why it actually did strike me um, almost personally, which, I mean, I don't mean that I was personally offended by it. It's not that. I think I was offended more at the gall. Now, I'll use that word. The gall of someone to be that blatantly you know, disregarding something because they simply don't want to hear what the athletes have to say. Stick to sports is done. That's finished. And you see it on both sides. I don't want to do the both sides-isms because I think that it's such a cheap way out of a conversation. Well, both sides do it. Not necessarily. Or if both sides do it, there is a matter of degree. But in the case of stick to sports, it does apply to both sides. The president, he's happy to speak out on sports issues, right? He did this week about Big Ten football and how we're at the one-yard line. We aren't. Clay Travis, who I guess facilitated the conversation, of course, we'll get to Kevin Warren in a bit because that guy is, uh, <laughs> he has no friends now. I mean, he has just alienated every single group that you can think of because he has mishandled this thing from the start. But the stick to sports thing is done, right? I will be anxious to see what some of these college basketball teams do. We've seen it with the NBA. We've seen how they can carry on a very successful postseason in a bubble and still hit on the social issues that they want to and act by opening up their arenas so people can vote on election day. Stick to sports, dead, gone, over. I had it on my Twitter. I, I put it there right before Tane Carp. I said, sticking to sports, except when I'm not. And I think about a lot of the Tane Carp stuff, and we didn't really broach a lot of these. And that is partially because the show that we were doing and the context in which we were doing it, it was an afternoon drive show where we wanted to have some fun, and we did. And that doesn't mean that we didn't branch out and talk non-sports things. If you listen to that show, you know we did. But they tended to be more in the personal, and we wanted people to get us get to know our personalities and feel as if they were part of a larger conversation. I don't know what it would have been like if that show had been going on during all of this. It would have probably led to some tough conversations. Um, I think, I would like to think, that I would be open enough in those conversations to listen to what other people have to say. I understand how in a solo context like the 200 level, it may seem like I would shut those ideas out and not give them any time of day. But I, I really want to assure people I am happy to have the conversation, whether it be friends or some family members, um, where there are these conversations that clearly we are not ideologically similar. I end up having good conversations with a lot of different people. I used Austin Berkland as an example on Monday. He's pretty outspoken conservative, but so many great conversations before we went on the air about stuff like that. I'm open to it. I want to have those conversations. I find them kind of invigorating sometimes. Uh, but I also do get frustrated when you see certain ideologies pick and choose when it is okay to say something and when it's not. And essentially, that is what we're seeing whenever you get a Twitter reply that says, hey, listen, you know, stick to sports. Or when you get a Twitter reply that, well, uh, what about all the violence in Chicago? Why aren't they protesting that? You see a lot of attempts by people that are probably all on the same ideological spectrum, right? You see a lot of attempts by them to either dismiss or belittle the Black Lives Matter movement. It's neo-Marxist, no, what I saw was 18 to 22-year-olds saying three simple words, Black Lives Matter. Movements change from their origins to how they grow into the sort of mainstream thing like Black Lives Matter is. Movements change. They take on their own identities. This is something that is less political than it is social and racial. 
So uh, I, I found it to be a very heavy week in a lot of ways, and mostly in a good way. A good way to be reminded that, yeah, sometimes it's okay to be young and idealistic. Because if you didn't have that, I mean, what a cynical world that would be. You need the young idealist to actually get out there and say, hey, we're going to make a change. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I do see one recurring chorus from people that did maybe experience 1968, which I know that's apples and oranges, but a tumultuous year for America, right? I do see a repeating chorus about how well, this feels different. So maybe it is. I mentioned the optimism at the end of the opening segment that maybe this is rock bottom, the bottom of the barrel, and we are in the darkest part, and there is that light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting there. We will get there. And with each day, and maybe it's because I'm teaching again and interacting with the students, maybe it's because I'm seeing time and time again young people actually get out there and act. It is kind of reminding me, when I was a young idealistic person, in 2008, and how campuses, not just U of I, but everywhere, were really swept up in the Obama thing. And politics aside, there was something exciting about feeling like, oh, we can make a difference, we can change things. Now, how many things ultimately did change? Of course, that's up for debate, and a good debate, I would think. But ultimately, it feels good to be active and get out there and do something and be a part of it. So um, student-athletes and athletes in general are really kind of leading the way on this, and that's why more than ever, stick to sports is just, it's an archaic idea. It doesn't work anymore. Uh, one other thing about how you cover something like this, right, is I mentioned before, it's sort of like a journalistic responsibility. If you have the outlet to cover Illinois sports, I think you must at least cover this. And you'll see on Twitter sometimes, retweets are not endorsements, which is sort of like journalism in a nutshell, where just because I'm telling you what this person said does not mean I endorse it. That is the avenue that orangeandbluenews.com could have taken here, is reporting it, but that doesn't mean that's what they think. I mean, that's just reporting. If you do a story on a recruit and the recruit says something, and you put it in your story. Does that mean that you agree with what the recruit said? No, you are reporting what the recruit said. And I know that's a bit apples and oranges again, because that's recruiting versus a social discussion. I know that people would say, well, it's a sports website, so, you know, social discussions, racial, political, they don't belong on there. But they do if the athlete is the one saying it, because what do sports websites do? They cover athletes. And for the recruiting ones, they start when they're like 14, 15 years old. <laughs> These kids will give you the Twitter conversation or the phone call or the text conversation. But when they want to speak out about genuine hurt, anguish, despair, all of that, and you're like, nah, nah. But hey, tell me about your performance against Delaware State. You see, that's, that's the contradiction right there. Retweets are not endorsements. In other words, you can report what someone's saying and not necessarily agree with a single word that came out of their mouth. That's what journalists do. Would any of these recruiting sites consider themselves journalists? I think so. I think most of them would. That's what they're doing. They're getting sources. They're reporting what their sources are saying. Um, that's no different than if it were any other page in the newspaper. It just so happens to be about young athletes. Now, I, like Doug and the rival staff, or I say the staff, I, I can't speak for them. I can only speak for... Um, personal interactions with Doug, which are not pleasant. I can speak for what other people 
have told me about interactions with them. And then to the general MO of that website, which the publisher kind of dictates that. He's the publisher. It's his website. Let's call it what it is. That is not to say anything about Brad Sturdy, who by all accounts, one hell of a reporter, okay? One hell of a recruiting guru. And he's been doing this for a long time. Um, Alec Bussey, who's writing for them. Um, I do want to be careful to distance this criticism from them or anyone else that might be writing for that website because you can't always answer for your publisher. Take it from me. I can't answer for whatever Stevie was doing in the morning show. I didn't agree with hardly any of it. I didn't agree when he brought in the crazy Sheriff David Clark to town for a law enforcement banquet because that guy's rhetoric is dangerous and violent and he's a kook. I didn't really speak out in sales meetings or express my disagreements because, again, he's the one signing the check. So what are you going to do? Um, but again, does that reflect on me? Does, did my boss reflect on me? Maybe for some it did. Um, but you can't really do a whole lot because, you know, hey, it's your livelihood. So you might be able to say, I kind of think this, but you aren't going to go staunchly against it. I wouldn't expect anyone um, in any situation to really get out there and speak out against their publisher or their boss. No, I mean, that's kind of an unreasonable expectation. So wanted to be careful there to say that this is not, if, if I've said anything, whether it be through tweet or on this air, and try to paint with a broad brush and said, well, this is a problem with the entire website. No, it's not. I, it's just a problem with the, uh, the MO of the publisher that would lead them to a position where they wouldn't even talk about this thing. So I hope that makes a little more sense. Um, but one thing that I would agree with, uh, Doug, on, and I think agree with any Illini fan or any sports fan, tonight and essentially two hours from this moment as I'm speaking, Illinois, Ohio State would have been kicking off a Memorial Stadium. I would have heard the fireworks, which are earshot away from our house, sitting on the porch on a beautiful September evening with a nice cold drink in hand and hoping that we got to halftime with the 2-3 possession game. What the hell? Why not? It's the first game of the year. It's a weird training camp and all that. Maybe, just maybe. It is weird to think that about a month ago, it's September 3rd. I think the schedule came out August 5th. So yeah, about a month ago when we got news that this would be the season opener and that here's your nine, what was it, nine or 10 game conference schedule and trying to, you know, prognosticate how many wins are Illinois going to get. I, I said three and seven, which I know is really bad, but I just said that because Penn State, Ohio State on the schedule, and that means that you would have went three and five against the rest, which I would have said if you had a normal season and you had your three gimmies in the non-conference. Essentially, I thought this was a six and six team, maybe five and seven. I didn't think the luck was going to be there in terms of takeaways, defensive scores. But see, right there, that conversation. I want to have that conversation. I do. It ain't there right now. I can't really be talking about a football season. We don't know if it'll even happen, but damn straight. I wanted to be watching football tonight on the porch, hearing the fireworks hopefully go off multiple times as Illinois maybe sprung the biggest upset since what? 2007 at Ohio state. Well, I guess no last year. What am I talking about? The biggest upset since last year against Wisconsin at home. That would have been great. And it would have even been great if they'd gotten their asses kicked and we had to come down here for a post game show and talk about, oh, God, here we go. You know, lovey stinks, all this stuff. Um, as it is, it's not. So I do hope, and you know, rapid testing, the rumors that came out this week, it's amazing how many <clears throat> sources people have, which 
by sources, they probably just meant like the defensive coordinator at Purdue or Pat Fitzgerald, <clears throat> coaches, not presidents, not chancellors. Those aren't the sources. Any source that came out earlier this week and said, yeah, we're looking at an October date. I think that sounds pretty good. Were coaches and wishful thinking. There's nothing imminent. There's not. You can't just snap your finger and say, we're going to play football in four or five weeks from now. Not with the uncertainty going on, and especially not with the fact that most Big Ten universities are having some sort of outbreak. And sadly, even the one in our own backyard, with all the rapid testing and stuff, is having one of their own and is going to have to make a decision in the next two weeks if they continue this thing on or not. You get universities all across the country sending kids home. I think Temple was the latest one to do that. Iowa and Iowa State are going to have to make a call soon because that's getting bad. South Carolina, well over 1,000 kids and a positivity rate of 25-plus percent. I know they aren't doing as many tests as we are, but that's insanity. So this notion that there is anything imminent with football, it's wishful thinking. I wish it to be the case, too, despite some people thinking that I would have a sports podcast and yet, for whatever reason, not want sports to be played. I know that's the old Clay Travis gag. But I want it to happen. At the same time, how badly do I need it? And this is where it got a little bit scary today. An article citing a Penn State study, and I want to make sure I get this right because this is preliminary, as are most studies about COVID-19. Because quite simply, we're learning about it on the go. And what may be true now may not be true a few weeks from now. I mean, all these studies and data, research, all that's just going to continue to come out as we learn more about this. But this is from the Center Daily Times. And I believe that's up by Penn State. So whether that's in Happy Valley or somewhere in the state of Pennsylvania, this is from Parth Upadaya. Upadaya. I apologize for the name, but regardless, the headline is a PSU football doctor. 30 to 35% of COVID-19 positive Big Ten athletes had myocarditis. Just a couple paragraphs from this real quick. New data helps illustrate what Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren might have meant when he described, quote, too much medical uncertainty and too many unknown health risks, end quote, as reasons for postponing the Big Ten's fall sports season. During a state college area school board of directors meeting on Monday night, Wayne Sebastianelli, I think I got that right, uh, Penn State's director of athletic medicine, made some alarming comments about the link between COVID-19 and myocarditis, particularly in Big Ten athletes. Sebastianelli said that cardiac MRI scans revealed that approximately a third of COVID-19, sorry, a third of Big Ten athletes who tested positive for COVID-19 appear to have myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscle that can be fatal if left unchecked. Quote, when we looked at our COVID-positive athletes, whether they were symptomatic or not, 30 to roughly 35% of their heart muscles were inflamed. Sebastian Nelly said, and we really just don't know what to do with it right now. It's still very early in the infection. Some of that has led to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten's decision to sort of put a hiatus on what's happening. Now, there are some questions with this article. It does not state how many athletes were part of this study. It could have been 10. And in those 10, that's where they found the results. We don't know the sample size. Uh, so the questions about how valid this data is are fair. But it is another thing to file under that big old uncertainty umbrella that if Kevin Warren had just been kind of smart, would have made that a little bit more clear from the outset. He, he's a terrible communicator. Let's not mince words about Kevin Warren. He's done a really terrible job communicating something that if he would have just gotten in front of it, we probably would have avoided all these stupid parent letters. I say stupid because they are. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, the uncertainty level with this 
and the fact that 30 to 35%, let's say that is the case, or let's even go more conservative and say it's something like 10 to 15% of COVID positive patients get this heart inflammation. I don't want heart inflammation. I consider myself a relatively healthy 33-year-old who works out and tries to eat well. Same with these football players or really any athlete. But that is a risk, and we're going to learn more about that risk. The scary thing for something like this, talking about that uncertainty umbrella, is that even if you got the rapid testing down, how leery is that going to make college presidents and chancellors about a basketball season or any season in the winter or the spring for any sport? You talk about liability, and you put someone on the court or you know volleyball court, track, field, whatever, and any of these guys get this, and all of a sudden they come down with myocarditis, and then what, they have grounds to sue the school for negligence or something? I, I don't know. I don't know all the legalese behind it, but I'm sure that that's going to be something that gives commissioners, presidents, maybe even athletic directors pause about this. That's scary. And to the point where, hey, I don't want that either. Now, am I going to just stay in my basement? As some people have accused me of just stay in your basement as long as you don't kill grandma. You know, it's no, it's not about that. It's the fact that while I'm not that fearful, and I don't think many 18 to 22 year old kids are fearful of getting this thing, exercise a little humility around it. This is a new virus. This is less than a year old. We're still learning about it. We don't know the full effects. We don't know if myocarditis might just kind of linger in there and then all of a sudden you have heart failure when you're 45 years old because of having COVID-19 back in 2020. We don't know that. Um, And that might sound like worst case scenario, but there are enough pockets of data coming out here and there which suggest that myocarditis is a significant risk of getting COVID-19, that it's happening in more than just a few patients. And when you look at these athletes, especially the bigger dudes on the offensive and defensive lines, that can't be good. Their heart is already pumping as hard as it possibly could to carry 300 plus pounds of fat and muscle and run up and down a football field. And it's it's a taxing thing to do. So to think that we're going to put these guys out there is, I don't know, to me, I'm still surprised. And, and this is understanding the culture in the South and all that. I'm still surprised that the games are on because it only takes one, right? It only takes one severe illness in a hospital. It only takes a few cases confirmed of myocarditis in these athletes to maybe make these schools think differently. And ultimately what's going to happen, and this is just going to be a whole weird thing to try to unpack, is when campuses send the student body back, but they say, well, now the college uh, student athletes or even safer. So game on, which makes you think, well, what is the purpose of these games anyways? And we all know the answer to that. That's, that's a hypothetical question that we know the answer to. It's money. And we can pretend that it's all about, well, these kids want to play, let them get back on the field. Of course that's true. I want to watch them play on the field. I'll watch. I mean, I know this is probably a little bit hypocritical on my part. I'll watch an SEC game if they continue to play and it looks like they will, or ACC, or Big 12. I'll watch them, because it's football. I'm going to watch the NFL, because it's football, and it's on. And I'm kind of bored during COVID-19, as we all are a little bit bored. But with college sports, and I know this might be to the point of redundancy, me saying this, there is that ethical dilemma of, yes, they get their education, but these are not paid athletes. And they don't really have a choice. Yeah, they can opt out, but there would be fallout from doing so. We've seen a couple of Illini guys do that. Rayvon Bonner, of course, being one of them. I think Georgia's quarterback, he was in the quarterback competition. He elected to sit out the season, though, of course, Georgia Bulldog fans are like, well, he was going to lose the QB 
battle anyway, which may or may not be true. I don't follow Georgia football, but you are seeing a few, but you aren't seeing a lot. Certainly part of that is they want to play. They're young. They feel that they're going to be fine. And for most of them, they're exactly right. But then there's the other factor too. And this is something that I continue to see avoided, whether it be the crazy Twitter reply person or whether it be these parent letters. The factor of, oh, well, these kids still live in a society, in a community, where if they get it and they don't just stay at home for two weeks and make sure that it goes away, they're going to be getting out there and potentially spreading it to people that could die from it. And to me, at the end of the day, as much as I love sports, the callousness behind the thought process of, well, they'll get it, but it'll be fine. No, there's a callousness to that because it's not even considering the fact that others might. When I see people, whether it be tweeting at Trevor or tweeting at me, even though my grandparents are long since dead, <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time, um, saying, well, you know, just stay in your hole if you're that afraid about it. No, it's not about being afraid. It's about just being compassionate for people that are susceptible to it and that we cannot pretend that we have a handle on this thing when 190,000 plus are dead and it's projecting well over 300,000 by year's end at this rate. That's a disaster. So to see people so callous and so blinded to what's going on, and I understand it to an extent. You want something so bad, in this case football, college football, the return, that you tend to ignore maybe the better angels on that right side of your shoulder and look on the left side and say, yeah, but I'd rather be getting drunk and watching football. Come on, that's what I do every you know Saturday in the fall. I get it. I, too, want to get back to going to concerts, being around a bunch of different people at a concert, screaming our brains out. I want to get back to that. But unfortunately, that isn't in the cards right now. So the question as to whether college football is in the cards, they're going to try. And I hope it goes okay. That's the other thing that people sometimes mistake. They're like, I'm rooting for more COVID-19 to prove a point. No, I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. And I want the U of I to get their semester off the ground and get these numbers back down so they can finish the semester with students in town and no major severe illness or death or any of that, right? I want that to be the case, not worst case scenario. That is all too common of a misconception when people express skepticism about the decisions that are being made. Speaking of which, for the University of Illinois, they tried their best. But I did put up a poll yesterday, and, and here's what I thought was interesting when the mass mail came out to all the students, and how it was essentially saying because of a few bad actors, and we don't know how many of those are, but according to Chancellor Jones, paraphrasing here, because of a few bad actors, the entire semester is in jeopardy. And yeah, of course, there are some people that just are not following any of the expectations or rules. And should they be held accountable? Yes. But at the same time, I've always likened this to abstinence-only education. Here's what I mean by that. When these colleges welcome back 18 to 22-year-old kids, and they say, hey, now, don't party with your friends, mm-hmm, that is just the same in a lot of respects as telling a kid in high school, don't have sex until you're married. Some may follow it. But guess what? We're human beings. And from 18 to 22 especially, you are anything but risk avoidant. You're, you're trying to risk things. Even during a pandemic. I know that we're sitting here thinking, come on, they can't just do this during a pandemic. No, it's not in the nature of an 18 to 22-year-old to sit back and follow rules. I remember distinctly 
my first unofficial at U of I. We lived in the six pack. We got this email the night before from whoever the chancellor was then. That was the day and age where a chancellor maybe stayed a year and a half before they got into some sort of scandal. And it asked us to please, you know, don't go to class drunk and be respectful. And, you know, as a freshman, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to class drunk for sure, but I'm not going to not partake in unofficial. You know, I mean, that's the thing. When you're that age, it is difficult to not want to socialize and get out there and do things. What is the fine line here between going to a huge party at a frat or hanging out with eight people in an apartment? Are either of those safe? One's certainly safer than the other. But the notion that any university, including our own, which I'm proud of for the saliva testing and trying to get this thing off safely, it is delusional. In a word, it's delusional to think that these kids were going to come back and not run into these sorts of issues. I decided to put up a poll for fun. Here was my theory. That email comes out and it becomes clear to anyone who reads it that this semester is on life support. And that within a couple of weeks, you're probably sending these kids back home. Remote only, get out of here. Okay, so with that in mind, with the inevitable, I say inevitable, but likely closing of kids living on campus, all that stuff. If you're a college student, you get two options here. A, abide by the rules so the school has a better chance of staying open, right? Being a good citizen. Or B, party extra hard because it's going to end soon anyway. We had about 200 votes, 62% said they would party extra hard. I think that's about right. You have this idea now implanted in these kids' minds that it's going to end soon. Do you think then they're going to just stay home by themselves with the one roommate that they don't like that much and they would love to get out of the house and avoid? Or are they going to try to go out there and live this thing up until they are told to go home? Enough of them are going to do the latter where this does not work. Increased enforcement, good luck. 40,000 students. Good luck monitoring that. Best intentions. I say that as an alum. I say that knowing that all the money and resources they put into it, I think they actually in good faith thought they could do this and pull it off. But when you see the models and you hear them say, well, we didn't anticipate this many. I don't know if the models were based in reality or some sort of dream world where college kids didn't do stupid crap because they do. It's what 18 to 22 year olds do. So I'm conflicted on that, you know, A for effort, A for effort, but unfortunately it seems like it's trending one way and that's a shame. Do I want it to succeed? Yes. Do I want college football to come back? Yes. Do I want all these things to come back? Yes. Is there a reason I'm skeptical? You bet. Plenty of reasons. I know that was kind of all over the board. I guess podcasts can tend to do that when we have this many things going on. I got a little notepad thing and it, it reminds me of things that I need to talk about or not talk about. There was an interesting TMZ article that came out today about Lovey Smith's son, Michael, M-I-K-A-L, and he was arrested, apparently, for pimping. This is according to TMZ, which, hey, you can say what you want about TMZ, but this was also verified. WCIA3 is on it. There's a few other websites picking up the story, but Michael Smith, son of ex-NFL head coach Lovey Smith, excuse me, current Illini head coach Lovey Smith, come on, TMZ, was arrested in Arizona this week after officials say he's been pimping. TMZ Sports has learned. The 43-year-old who served as an assistant coach under his father with the Chicago Bears and Tampa Bay Bucks was booked on Thursday for a slew of disturbing charges. Officials tell TMZ Sports Smith is facing everything from pandering, another word for pimping, along with receiving earnings from a prostitute and sex trafficking. He's also facing charges of money laundering and conspiracy. 
2020, everybody, you know, is that borderline too personal? I know in this community, like, how can the News Gazette touch that? I guess you kind of have to, have to talk about it. I don't read that as any more than uh, what a weird year. It's something where you read stories about people's kids and how much can you really pin on the adult when the kid in question is 43 years old, right? So it's just, I don't read that as any sort of anti-lovey or anything like that. If anything, I feel bad that that has to be embarrassing. And what can you do? I mean, your kid's 43 years old. They're an adult. They can figure out their own thing, you would think. But crazy nonetheless. I just thought I'd share that as just another example of 2020 being completely bonkers. No more comment than that. Listen, you know, it's hard out there for a pimp, as 3-6 Mafia said. All right, uh, before we get out of here, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO, online at dpdo.com, for all the best deals and prices. So here's the deal, custom zones, any topping you want, obviously. You can get favorites like the Buffer Zone, the Maui Wowie, but regardless of what zones you get, they will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So if you don't want to go to campus, that's cool. They'll bring it to you. You can also pick it up. Easy to do. Very safe, by the way. They got a nice setup there. At uh, DPDO on campus, it is right between Neal and First on Green. It's that strip mall there with the Jimmy Johns. Uh, recommend popping in there or having it brought to you. Steve and the folks at DPDO have been great supporters all the way back to 93.5. And it is delicious stuff. It is as good as it was back when I was in college. And it's a fixture on campus, but also a fixture locally. So check them out at dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Brian is my guy. Dot com And he is, and he's an expert and someone you can trust. And uh, I vouch for him personally. And also as someone who knows what he's doing, I know Jack squat about insurance. He, he and his staff know plenty and they can help you out. Whatever your insurance needs may be. Brian is my guy.com and fourth and Kirby online at fourth and new designs coming throughout the fall. They got a couple of them out there already. Check them out at fourth and Use coupon code 200 level or the 200 level for 10% off your order. All right, everybody. It is Thursday evening when this comes out. Whenever you listen to this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we got a holiday weekend. Maybe I'll do one Monday evening. Maybe I'll do one Tuesday, but we'll get back there with another couple next week because God knows there will be plenty to talk about. But in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. If you could, rate and review us wherever you listen to us. Helps us move up the charts, as they say. I'm going to have a great holiday weekend. Enjoy it with whoever you enjoy it with, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. It is the 200 level.